Transponder on. He is going under on the count of three, two, one. The recording process is now initiated. I am theoretical quantum physicist Dr. Boris Shidlovich, and welcome to another confidential and experimental research podcast of My Mind's Reality. My hypnomanic friend and creator of this podcast, social neuroscientist Victor J. Saint, is off the grid, as we say. Victor is still hidden in one of his many safe house locations, but do not despair, research partners who are still listening. I have found a classified recording of a recent international symposium, one that featured Victor conducting yet another of his breakthrough thought experiments in social neuroscience. Okay, I have queued up the digital audio archive, so get ready for Victor to challenge your mind's reality with his mind's reality. For first-time listeners, all the disclaimers and legal guidelines are at Neuromorphic Labs website, victorjsaint.com. As always, you are listening at your own risk for your neuromorphic identity. Is this science or fiction or both? Or more? You have to decide. This has been Boris speaking, now signing off. To try and preserve what is left of my mind's reality as long as possible in the nowness of the illusion of this multiplanetary data point in the space-time continuum. Farewell, as we see Victor move to the podium of our mind's reality, of our mind's eye. <laughs> thank you, thank you for that uh, forced applause after Dr. Shidlovovich way too verbose and kind introduction. Uh, of my experimental research into deep neural network hacking, brain-machine interface, I call BMI electronics, AI, and quantum computational engines. Uh, thank you again, Boris. I am Victor J. Saint, uh, but before I start with my prepared remarks and slides, uh, let's test the auto-translate earbuds that I distributed earlier to the non-English speaking attendees. Okay, uh, first for our Chinese colleagues, testing one, two, three, Okay, next, I know we have some Germans in the audience. Testing, one, two, three. Testing, eins, zwei, drei. And uh, for Dr. Boris Shlovich, special guest here, uh, physicist from Poland. Testing, one, two, three. Testowanie, jeden, dwa, trzy. Okay, uh, now we've got that bit of housekeeping and audio synchronization out of the way. Let's dig in. <laughs> um, as you can see from my first slide, uh, the catchy title for my talk today is The Social Neuroscience of Situational Ethics, or retitled Situational Unethics. I know that a popular approach to presenting content in a public speaking format like this is uh, to include using the uh, trusted and tried format of IRS. I make the uh, intriguing beginning, then hold your attention with an R riveting middle, and wrap up with a satisfying end. IRS. But uh, for those of you in the audience who know me, they won't be surprised if I intentionally violate this popular speaking structure and do what I'm known for. I'm just going to push for a reaction. I don't care if it's positive or negative. Uh, just, as I say, uh, confuse the rich. Elicit a reaction 
to take your poor minds off autopilot. And let's see what's really going on uh, in the 1% agenda for the rest of us. Now take good notes, but don't expect to leave with them or make any audio or video recording of my remarks or slides. Sorry about that. I should have warned you, and I hope that didn't scramble the electronics of anyone wearing hearing aids, but uh, I just activated uh, my powerful jamming device. It's locked down everyone's smart mobile smartphone. <laughs> yeah, look at your phone. Uh, but don't worry, I'll reactivate everybody's phone before I leave the podium, but not at all if I'm removed by force. Now, let me cut right to the point, or show you that I really cut myself to get to the point. Uh, can you believe I'm at a podium without remote access to my slides files showing on the blurry projection screen up here? Hey, uh, can you uh, at least advance my presentation in the next slide if you would, Alexander? Thank you. Oh, I should have warned you. Yeah, this photo may seem a bit gruesome uh, for you non-medical types. It shows the deep cut resulting from my initial neurectomy surgery uh, where I used a da Vinci surgical robot with remote controls to perform that delicate incision deep into my upper neck, right above my spine. It's where I created the port for the wiring harness reaching up into my brain's amygdala region. You know, that's where our brains perform the primary role of processing memory, decision-making, and emotional responses. Do not try this at home. Uh, that goes without saying, but I'll say it anyway. Do not try this at home. And uh, I keep the port plugged with a what I call a non-rejectable bio-plug, and I've got it covered with sterilized bandaging to avoid any infection, as you can imagine. But I, I really can't share any more of my real intellectual property. My lawyers cleared the use of the surgery image slide, image slide, but my legal team stopped me from showing you my neural helmet prototype and how the wiring harness connects directly to the brain access port in my neck. Now, uh, some of you may be asking, what does this gruesome neurosurgery photo have to do with situational ethics, or as I like to call them, situational unethics? Let's go to the next slide. Uh, here you see a statistical analysis into the rapidly changing American morals over time. Uh, this is from Gallup polling. Let me point out a couple of highlights with this. Uh, this is an outlaw, outlawed high-powered green laser pointer. So I'm going to point uh, right here. You see, for instance, the moral acceptance of cloning humans increased by 6% in just 12 years between 2001 and 2013. Uh, I've extrapolated that potential for one in five Americans now have no problem whatsoever with human cloning. So biomedical ethics, they're on their way out the door as far as I'm concerned, especially when there are big bucks to be made. Now, I know my Chinese friends yeah, in the audience, uh, they're, you're well aware that one of your scientists, uh, Hu Jinghua, uh, recently announced he had created twin girls from an embryo whose DNA was edited in his lab using uh, the gene editing tool CRISPR. All right, let's go to the next slide. Now, this wasn't human cloning per se, but the research doesn't ethically address the chance for dangerous mutations. My breakthroughs in social neuroscience research also challenge a wide range of ethics, but we're now living in a society where situational ethics are directly linked to growth economics. Big bucks 
part of capitalism and the financialization of everything. It's, uh, you know, it's dog-eat-dog dog and to hell with morals anymore because this quest for dollars has negated all universally shared concepts of right and wrong, especially when it comes to algorithmically controlling communication and messaging via artificial intelligence that has linked functional MRIs and spec brain scans to create cherry-picked and faulty data visualizations drive false memories, abandon morals, numb consciousness, promote alternative facts, and confuse individualized perceptions of right versus wrong as fake news. I call it advanced marketing communications via targeted neurohacking. I guess it shouldn't surprise any of you in this audience that in a recent study, you see on the screen here, only 18% of data science students or even learning anything about AI ethics. And that makes sense since the richest data scientists are now all working on Wall Street. Next slide. Uh, let's go to the next slide. Okay, next slide. Now, now look at me, focus on me. Look at me because in fact, I've just made you part of a situational ethics experiment since I took the stage. I call this experiment style over substance. Now, many of you gave me the benefit of the doubt when I stepped up to the podium. Uh, Dr. Zhevinovich gave me that glowing academic-style introduction, and I was wearing, of course, I've got on this crisp white lab coat and my thick glasses, and it's giving me an air of professionalism and respectability. But uh, let me take off this lab coat uh, and the phony round glasses, and I'm going to reveal what's underneath. Uh, yep. I've got on a hideous, dirty, chemical, sweat-stained, worn-out, old white t-shirt underneath, and I wouldn't doubt that your perception of me has changed immediately. Uh, during the last few minutes, as I took off the lab coat as a distraction, I also showed you that series of quick slides that we looked at, and as you remember, they were taken, they looked, they were taken at the scene of a car wreck. These are the types of car wreck images that are shown to mock juries with attorneys rehearsing their case. Usually, they'll use terms like that the driver of the car smashed, rammed, or hit another car. And the jury will unanimously you know, render a big verdict that the car was traveling too fast at the time of the impact. And even said uh, on later questioning, the jury will say there was shattered glass in some of those pictures. Okay, here's where mind games come into play in the courtrooms all over this country and the world. Style over substance. When another mock jury is shown the same photos you guys saw, and the attorneys say the car bumped into the other car, minor accident, show the exact same photos, that jury will deliver a verdict that there was only limited damage involved in the accident, and the car was obviously traveling very slowly at the time of collision. Now, which was the truth? It was all situational, based on nothing but a few words used differently to describe the incident and the photos. And to be honest with you, I look back at this undoctored version of a photo I showed, advance the slide, look back, uh, you'll see that the photo, the original photo of the car wreck, it never even existed. It was photoshopped from composite car wreck images of two totally different cars that never even touched each other. You can call it a deep fake. It's, it's the use of different words 
to describe different pictures to two juries who got totally different mental perspectives and verdicts based on the words used in the rehearsal. Now, why would, in my scenario, uh, attorneys rehearse using different words to describe the same accident? It depends on which insurance companies the attorneys were working for, either the victim of the car wreck or the person who caused the wreck. Because if you've ever been in a car wreck, you learn the hard way that insurance companies, they're all about collecting premiums and denying insurance claims, even if the case goes to court. Uh, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's always about the money. Uh, just look at the insider trading illusions created by the international banking and global stock markets that go on every day. Now, before I leave the car wreck example, there's some other fascinating elements made possible by the mock jury experiment. If I had time, there are other scenarios in which the attorneys provide false and unrelated narratives to give the impression that the car's driver was cheating on his wife, someone was hurt in the accident, that the car was a rare, turbocharged, expensive sports car, and tying all together with these additional negative emotion triggers linked to what that famous uh, theologian, you know, Alice Cooper identified as, let me quote one of his lyrics, Alice Cooper said, sex, death, and money, honey. What he was saying is your brain chemistry and neurons can be triggered for even stronger irrational responses when any or all of the hot topics, sex, death, or money, are also woven into a narrative on some simple pictures. Now, next slide. Let's move on. Uh, we must all understand that we now live in a world where AI, machine learning, deep neural networks are the tools for advanced neuroscientists. Now, some are using worldwide knowledge bases and data breaches to create text, video, and graphics that, in the wrong hands, really create false memories, false perceptions, and they can be honed to the whims of, of unethical corporations, governments, con men, crooks. I, I call it weaponized misinformation that goes way beyond the old brainwashing techniques of propaganda or marketing communications. These new technology-driven biotech brainwashing techniques are now so powerful that, uh, I'll tell you, the global power brokers have silently funded the development of targeted conspiracy theories promoted strategically by the seven major media conglomerate companies and the unified power of the military-industrial complex to create false neural perceptions of what's really going on. They're converting our fear-driven psychological perceptions of reality to resemble nothing more than rapid and random clickbait distractions like it's like admiration of your favorite sports team, yeah, elevating the importance of differing teams, styles, mind games, races, sexes, cultures, religions, threats, weapons, wealth inequality, climate change, you name it. This is all revolving around brainwashing either conservative or progressive mindsets funded by the same corporate lobbyists controlling the narrative to keep viewership and ad revenue up and the muddying effect of party politics based on genetic differences and invasive brain processing manipulation. And of course, this is all augmented by abandoning focus groups because we can now use actual MRI and spec brain scans to elicit rushes in dopamine and acetylcholine synaptic brain networks based on our, each of our genetic and experiential differences, what I call your mind's reality. Now, Hugh, that, 
I know, okay, that's way too many thoughts delivered way too fast to absorb rationally. In fact, that's the same rapid-fire media repetition of the same false narratives ran it over and over that are conditioning everyone's brain synapses to think one way or both ways. It doesn't matter as long as chaos theory can reign supreme while the mega-rich try to play silly three-dimensional chess with all our lives and the planet's fragile ecosystem and the thin biosphere. At least, that's my mind's version of reality. Uh, let's see what it all means for situational ethics. Let's go to the next slide. What you're looking at is some university scientific research, uh, a renowned university, that has actually shown that self-described conservatives have a larger amygdala than liberals. <laughs> yeah, the amygdala, it's that collection of cells near the base of the brain. There's two, one in each hemisphere side of the brain, located deep in the brain, and they are the most active during states of fear and anxiety. Now, the same research showed that conservatives uh, had the large amygdalas, while liberals' brain scans showed more gray matter than conservatives, at least in the anterior cingulate cortex. It's that region of the brain that helps people cope with complexity. Now, I'm not making any judgment here. And this is proven physiology. The difference in the shape of physiological brain areas in both conservatives and liberals, based on them self-identifying as such. And now, uh, based on these brain uh, proven brain activity and structural differences, I did a thought experiment subjecting some self-described conservatives and liberals to see how their brains reacted just to reading written words alone. Now. On this next slide, next slide here, there's some of the words I used in the thought experiment, and uh, I want you to see what each word quickly conjures in your neural network's version of reality as I read them off the slide. Here we go. Think. Police. Terrorist. Capitalist. Socialist. Fascism. King. Gay. Vegetarian. Love hate, hoax, global warming, fracking, African-American, black, Latino, white, Caucasian, Asian, Christian, Muslim, NRA, BLM, American flag, veteran, protester, universal health care, Trolls, hydroxychloroquine, science, God, cult of personality, immortality. Think about virtual immortality, spiritual immortality, life extension, gun control, ammo, AK-47, assault rifle. And, of course, there's some other, pardon the pun, trigger words. I'm not going to go through all of them on the slide. But uh, this thought experiment, uh, when I did it in the lab, elicited a range of strong and differing emotional responses documented by monitoring alpha, theta, delta, and of course gamma brainwave frequencies. Anger, hate, distrust, and suspicion uh, all usually elicit more alpha brain activity in the right frontal cortex. Now, the reactions to just reading the words alone confirm that liberals and conservatives react totally differently 
to words inside their skulls. And that's possibly why they can hardly ever achieve productive conversations or communication in any format. I can't, they can't agree on even the understanding of what words even mean or come to any shared consensus because their brains are physically existing in totally different realities, just like each of yours does. Uh, everyone sees the world based on their own situation, which drives their own version of what's true to them, their ethics, their situation, rationalizing how they alone can determine what's right or wrong, what I call situational unethics. But the saddest thing is that big monopolistic corporations, the global media conglomerates, political parties, well-funded anarchists, and even the largest governments around the world fully know what I just described from neuroscience. Uh, and they have, unfortunately for all of us, already enlisted ethically corrupt but money-hungry social neuroscientists, not me, of course, uh, but they've enlisted the, the money grabbers with their advanced brain monitoring research and brainwashing, brain controlling, and influencing techniques all paired with advanced data and social media analytics. And I can assure you they are now ramping up the use of these brain-invasive, science-based tools to drive our society apart, our groups together, or in any direction they choose to fund for the highest bidder. At least... Uh, they're, they're probably trying to sell you something you don't need or want at the weakest point of what they're trying to do. And that's causing each of you and all of us to reach for your smartphone, at least statistically, uh, 992 of the 2,116 times you'll average touching it today is for a clickbaited dopamine ad sale surge to your brain. <laughs> and you thought... Hitler's propaganda was successful in brainwashing Germans to systematically murder some six million innocent Jews, around two-thirds of Europe's entire Jewish population. Uh, can you imagine? Uh, just think if uh, Adolf Hitler had had today's advanced neuroscience technologies as a tool for uh, his genocide. Now, I read that last section from my presentation notes rather calmly. Uh, it's just science. I don't want to scare you, uh, but it's way past time to quit being so naive and gullible in how you use that three pounds of biocomputer locked inside each of your thick skulls. I think, isn't it obvious? <laughs> We're all being conditioned like lab rats in a global conspiracy that's already out of control. Many of you have already been given even false childhood memories without even realizing it. And never forget there are around 20,500 nuclear warheads, atomic bombs, spread around the globe for rapid deployment at any moment, enough to destroy the planet's entire land mass, including all life forms of every kind. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Uh, and then some of you in this room are you're worried about nuclear energy, uh, while unlimited clean fusion technology uh, is being hidden so we don't dare disrupt a global economy built on dependence on burning those dead dinosaurs while destroying our lungs and the thin biosphere with carbon monoxide, which is now at the highest levels ever reported since us humanoids overpopulated the planet. Now, I'm getting off, I'm getting off topic. Okay, uh, let's take a deep breath. I had hoped to explain 
during this symposium more about my research and, and take your minds off collective autopilot. I wanted to talk about creating my new neural helmet uh, with its a human augmentation prototype device and the situational ethics that make it morally right for me to have uh, done this surgery and connected the neural helmet to my brain. It's right and it has to happen right now because we're living in a special moment uh, in our vastly different perceptions of the space-time bridge. It's We're right before the next extinction level event. But... Uh, I, this audience did not sign my standard non-disclosure agreements. I'm going to have to stop right here before showing any additional slide images of my brain-machine interface, uh, my artificial intelligence quantum AIQ computing platform. Uh, I even wanted to mention the strange signals the neural helmets started picking up recently and trying to decrypt within the circular laser-light graviton array I have in the lab. Maybe some of you might have even had an idea where the signals are coming from. Uh, Boris, I, I may need your help. It, it, I may need a quantum theory physicist to, to figure out what's going on. Oh, well, uh, if you haven't already tuned me out, snuck out the back after I took off the lab coat and the thick glasses, there are a few minutes left of my allotted time. I don't want to go over, so I wanted, but I do want to take some questions from you in the audience. Uh, obviously, my mind's version of reality is based on societal perceptions that are really different from yours. But uh, some of you were kind enough to submit some questions in advance, uh, following up on my website's blog request that I posted at victorjsaint.com. So I'll try to answer a few of them in the time remaining. Uh, let me see. Here's a question many of you researchers in the audience might have. Does your neuromorphic lab's research accept grant funding? Well, my brain-machine interface experiments actually started as a personal hobby, but as you can imagine, they got very expensive very quickly. So uh, I accepted some initial funding uh, to set up my neuromorphic lab, but I quickly realized most of the research funding had major strings attached and they wanted predetermined profitability outcomes linked to what the corporations wanted to fund. I didn't consider what I was doing science anymore. It was corporate work. And it was just profiteering, in my opinion, from the C-suite corporate and nonprofit foundation executives. They were just trying to justify another obscene quarterly bonus and manipulate their stock prices for another quarter with some inside trading. You know, it's, it's really a shame. The majority of America's unethical corporations are only giving lip service to embracing artificial intelligence. Uh, they're so far behind the ball. Uh, only 20% say they even plan to implement AI at any scale last year. And uh, our Chinese representatives in the audience already know China already has four of the top five unicorn uh, startup techs that are valued over a billion U.S. dollars. In fact, SpaceX was the only one, only U.S. company in the group of the five largest top unicorns right now. China actually sent the first quantum encryption satellite into space back in 2016. And uh, folks, uh, Canada is going to partner with Honeywell to send the second quantum computer satellite up soon and you know quantum advances in quantum computing uh, is critical to the security of brainwave interfaces like my neural helmet and others 
Okay, all right, let's look at another question. Oh, here's a good one. Based on what's on your website, victorjsaint.com, your approach to neuroscience and neuroplasticity seems radical and possibly unethical based on human experimentation outside of academic and medical research protocols. How do you rationalize your unorthodox approach? Good question, and uh, the answer is really quite simple. I'm only doing the invasive brain surgery linkage to myself. You saw the slide. There's uh, Self-harm is not illegal or unethical. Now, it may be considered crazy, like some of the other pseudo-brain science fads out there, but I am my own test subject, and there's no control group involved. So let's face it, in this life, everybody's really on their own research uh, quest. You're your own test subject, and you subject yourself to your own medications or meditations or uh, whatever you do to bridge the space-time continuum. Uh, you can absorb your own bad diet, take in your own bad sounds and images as sensory experiments. It's all bad science, but uh, who is anyone else to judge? Why how can you judge me? What am I doing in the privacy of my own lab is none of your business. It's just like what you do in the privacy of your own home. And uh, thinking back, I guess my dad really summed up my personal philosophy years ago. He, he looked me in the eyes and he said, a little learning has hurt you. Now, uh, I shouldn't be surprised. Uh, no one has submitted questions about transhumanism or singularity, and which will allow us to upload a digital replica of our brain's memories to a computer. And that's projected to be here in less than 30 years from now. And that's just a few decades ahead. So many of you in this audience will be around to see non-biological consciousness arrive if, when it happens, you as a member of the working peasant class are even allowed to know about it. If my experiments are successful, I'm going to promise every one of you in this audience, everyone on this planet will know if I'm successful. And if I were in charge, weekly brain dump downloads would be mandatory for every U.S. taxpayer. Why? Well, we can't lose another generation of valuable individual memory dividends lost forever to the grave or the crematorium or the urn. I wish my dad was still alive, but uh, even as a digital downloaded dad, I miss his unique perspective every day. And uh, for the rich in the future, that won't be something they'll have to worry about. Hey, uh, I missed anyone asking about the Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program, AATIP. And uh, that's how, quant and how quantum computing with a brain-machine interface will unravel the question of unidentified aerial phenomenon, that's UAPs, and you recognize the term better as UFOs, but we don't use that term anymore. It's got too much baggage, so our American military establishment is now calling them UAPs. They're putting big computer analytics on them, and I have a hunch we'll be really surprised very soon uh, I have a theory that we're going to find out that up to 4% of our genes contain alien DNA that hasn't yet been triggered. And it's linked to the past when Neanderthals actually bred with ancient aliens in our very distant Homo erectus past. 
Uh, for you people seated in the back, I'm talking about cavemen, cavewomen, troglodytes, uh, messing around with aliens. But uh, that's an entire other symposium topic that's still, uh, it's highly classified. Okay, here's another question. What else you got? <laughs> There's so many, many other things to think about or not think about, uh, like uh, when Jesus ate fried fish after being from the dead, raised, being risen from the dead. That's another mind-bending example we could get into. But uh, uh, that was my attempt, folks, at using the IRS format of intriguing beginning, riveting middle, and a wrap-up with a satisfying end. And with that, uh, it looks like my time is up. Thank you again for those who didn't sneak out the back of the auditorium, especially after I showed that first slide of my neural port oozing that green conductive goo. Uh, it happens every time I disconnect from the harness of my neural helmet. So please join me down front. Uh, if I had loaned you one of my auto-translate speech buds, and don't worry, I just rebooted your mobile phones to make them re-operational. They should be undamaged, I promise. I'm going to turn the podium back over to your next colloquium speaker, probably somebody a lot more traditional. Uh, they probably had a peer-reviewed paper and been published in one of the pseudoscientific educanto journals that report old grant-funded corporate marketing propaganda wrapped up in insider jargon to sound really, really smart. Thanks again for your time, which in most cases, uh, in most of your cases, you're totally wasting your time. Okay. I stopped the recording playback, Boris here, and Victor's remarks certainly gave me plenty of things to think about, but not for long, without serious implications, but as Victor always says, don't believe anything you hear, read, or think. Okay. I've just added the following edit of Victor's AIQ computer, the wrap-up message to round out this episode, uh, the, all the legal jargon necessary. Thank you for listening. I can only wonder what will happen in this time stream on the next episode of My Mind's Reality. AIQ computer now engaged. My Mind's Reality Podcast is now available on virtually all podcast platforms with even a video edition available on YouTube. If you are behind the Great Firewall of China, the GFW, where AI research may soon pass the US, then subscribe to this podcast using a VPN connection, but at your own political risk, now switching to auto-translate protocol to warn Chinese listeners. 使用任何剩余的VPN连接订阅我的中国现实,后果自负。Additional declassified but confidential content is accessible online from mymindsreality.com or victorjsaint.com, including detailed warnings and legal disclaimers, along with copyright and trademark rights notifications, now all fully enforced. With full disclosure, the Neuromorphic Lab's confidential research was previously underwritten in part by many educational institutions, corporations, including the military-industrial complex, along with global social media and podcast outlets. The Neuromorphic Lab is now independently developing its own AI brain interface data stream, neural helmet, and AIQ computer technology. 
Victor J. Saint will not enter into any unethical terms of agreement or binding contracts to provide governments, academia, political parties, or corporations the ability to monitor nor influence the minds of students, citizens, consumers nor employees to potentially maximize political brainwashing, target increased sales goals, enhance employee efficiency with 24-7 monitoring, or inflate corporate quarterly stock performance and or advertising revenue. This sequence of my mind's reality upload is now complete. Any use of experimental and invasive Hertz waves generation is now cycled off. Transmission ending. Full stop. AIQ computer going offline.